You're listening to the Business and Life Conversations podcast with Angela Henderson, episode 46. Hey there, you're listening to the Business and Life Conversations podcast. My name is Angela Henderson, and on this show, we talk about improving your business, life, or both by having amazing and rich conversations with brilliant guests who will inspire you and who will give you tips and tricks to help you grow both in life and in business. Well, hey there, Angela here, and welcome back to another episode of the Business and Life Conversations podcast. I'm your host, Angela from Angela Henderson Consulting, where I help women in business develop the foundational framework and strategy they need to grow sustainable and profitable businesses. I'm super excited for today's episode because I'm not only talking to someone I've long admired, but someone who has now become a very, very dear friend to me. And that amazing person is Zach Spuckler from Heart, Soul, and Hustle. In this particular episode, you're going to learn what is a challenge, what are the benefits of creating a challenge for your business, and the steps you need to take to create that wonderful challenge. Now, I can tell you over the nine years of being in business from Finley and me to also Angela Henderson Consulting, challenges have been one of the exponential pivotal points in growth within my business, and I can't wait to share that with you today. But before we do, I just want to jump in and said that this particular episode is sponsored by my four-day, three-night women in business retreat, where we focus on women having the chance to connect, refocus, learn, and grow in order to grow both in life and in business. My retreat is going to be held from October 24th through October 27th down at the Gold Coast here in Queensland, Australia, and it is an exclusive event with only 50 tickets being sold. From having eight of Australia's top female entrepreneurs speaking to surrounding yourself with amazing people that will lift you up both at the conference and after the conference, to daily masterminds to get individualized help on your business from both your peers and the speakers, to amazing food, being able to sleep in and eat a meal uninterrupted by children, you're not going to want to miss this amazing event. To learn more about this event and to purchase your ticket, head to AngelaHenderson.com.au and simply click on retreat. And yes, we do have six monthly payment plans to also help with your cash flow. All right, now let's jump into today's episode. Welcome to the show, Zach. Hey, Angela. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, well, it is awesome having you here. I only just uh, feel like it was just yesterday you were in Australia hanging out. How are you adjusting back into uh, life in Ohio? Oh my gosh. It's been an adjustment. The time zone and the jet lag is real, but I'm back and I'm loving it. You're back and you're loving it. Now, tell well, me, I'm not loving Ohio. I'm loving having been to Australia. <laughs> that, that's fair enough. Listen, Ohio is one of those states, not necessarily, it's definitely not California. It's definitely not Australia. But speaking of you are, I think you're about to move uh, pretty soon also. Are you not leaving Ohio? Yeah. yeah, we're leaving Ohio and we're hitting up California. So we're excited to get somewhere that has sun, a little more like Australia. So we're, we're very excited. Well, dude, that is awesome. And I'm also excited because that means I got a place to stay when I hit over to California, which will be super fun. Now, yeah. let me ask you this. On your recent podcast episode, before we jump into challenge marketing, you were talking about how you took a three-month break. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. It was like two months and three weeks or two, yeah, two months and three weeks. So a three month break from, from content creation. Mm-hmm. And how did you end up feeling? Do you mean, what are your kind of like little insights before we jump into this episode about that? Cause I thought it was super interesting because I think a lot of entrepreneurs put a lot of pressure on themselves to be doing what everyone um, is telling you to do or what you must be doing, but you've kind of done that counter intuitive stuff. And how has that worked out for you? Yeah. So, I mean, to be really transparent, like I still kind of post on Instagram and on Facebook from time to time, but more from a place of, 
when I felt inspired or I wanted to share what I was doing on my vacation or it was something that, you know, my VA was taking care of. So I think while I was offline, there were like a few inspirational quotes posted by my, yep. by my team. Um, but for the most part, I really just stepped back and I gave myself three months to be like, you don't have to create a podcast. That's my primary form of communication is podcasting. Um, and I did a couple of emails to my list, but, um, that was, that was actually at your advice. You were like, you got to email them at least. Um, and so I did email some old content and some recycled content. Um, but I really stepped back for, for several months and I just gave myself the space to get creative again. And I took the three weeks I was in Australia completely off from business other than about five to 10 hours of work that just kind of, you know, unfortunately the nature of a, a lifestyle business is you are the brand. So you do have to show up and do some stuff. Um, but I worked about five to 10 hours over the course of three weeks, less the two days I was at a conference. I don't really consider that working cause I love it and it lights me up. Um, but I came back really refreshed and excited and we've got podcasts lined up, me being on podcasts, po- people coming on my podcast. We've already batched out about eight, I want to say eight weeks of content. I've started emailing my list again. I'm posting on social media. I've built a, a Facebook group for 30 days. Like I am just back and refreshed and it's never felt easier to like create good content. And I think that's an operative word there. It's probably easier, but I would also suspect that the quality of your content is so much better than just ticking a box and saying I did it from a quantity point of view. Totally. I think the biggest thing is when I came back, I had this clarity around the podcast that is, um, we're, I'm moving away from doing very like, give me your six steps to whatever, whatever, um, and having conversations with CEOs because that's what I want to do. And I think that's what my audience is looking for. Don't get me wrong. I think that there's a a place for it. And I think that people absolutely want and love the tactical step-by-step. Um, but what I found was that after, you know, 119 episodes of the show, um, there's only so many ways you can be like, here's the six steps to build your email list. Here's 100%. seven steps to run a Facebook ad. And now I've created the reach, um, and without sounding, you know, too egoy, the the influence that I can reach out to people I want to have on the show, and just have entrepreneurial, high level conversations about business and life and and what it means. And so, we've had a few people on the show so far with this kind of new format, and it's been so rejuvenating to just be able to have conversations with CEOs that you know you have in the silence, you have in the dark, you have in the hallway at these events and be able to bring them to light on the show. And, and it's just, it's created a whole new spark of excitement for me. No, that sounds fantastic. And I think you are right. I think podcasts, you know, and I still do it. Today will be one because I think that with the how-tos for my particular uh, cohort of individuals, do you know what I mean? The, what we're going to share with them today is super beneficial. But I think, like you said, for where you're at, you're in 119 episodes in. You can only talk about challenge marketing so many times on your podcast, do you know what I mean? Or whatever that is. And I think that is super important to be able to, I guess, spruce things up a little bit. Yeah, 100%. And like I said, as I'm saying it, I'm like, and there's a set of questions for this one that is step by step. As well. But that's, but again, but I think that your audience is probably in a different space than what my audience is, right? So mine probably need a little bit more step-by-step guidance because they might not even know what a challenge is. Where your audience, I think, is prime because you've been using that language and those words for a very long time. So again, I think it's 100% makes sense that you're pivoting how you're running the podcast. 
100%. Now, before we hop into, um, you know, how to increase, you know, your email list and stuff with challenges, I always like to start and we kind of started, I guess, but that's the nature of you and I, we've been friends for a while now, so we can kind of just flow with that. But for the audience who doesn't know you, I always start with a fun question and you'll probably have a giggle with this because we've been talking about this, but I want, uh, the question that I have for you is I know that you love to shop. All right. I want to know what's the latest thing you purchase and why do you love it so much? Oh my gosh. So the latest thing I purchased was a designer bag. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> and um, I purchased it because the uh, I we, we operate on the profit first model in my business. Mm-hmm. Um, and what that means is we set aside money for, for taxes and profit in the business that pays me out quarterly. Mm-hmm. And I met with my CPA and he was like, you have X amount extra in your tax account. And when I was in Australia, I actually went to the uh, to this designer store that I'd always wanted to go to. And I was like, I'm going to buy something here. And I bought a wallet and you know, it was a couple hundred bucks. It wasn't crazy. Um, some people will say that's crazy, but it wasn't this crazy expense. And when I was there, I fell in love with this bag. And I was like, mm-hmm. I really want to have this bag. Like that would be so cool. Um, and it would just make me feel like abundant and wealthy. It's, it's silly. It's material. Not really big on the material things. I drive a, a Ford Edge. Like yeah. I was, I was so excited to have my SUV crossover. <laughs> um, but for whatever reason, this this designer label, I was just like, that would feel so abundant and wealthy. And so I took about half of my extra. I had excess in the tax account at the beginning of the year. I took that excess and I put half uh, towards my student loans because I have about my student loans about. 55, 60% paid off. Mm -hmm. Um, And I took the other half and I bought something kind of frivolous. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't carry consumer debt, but I thought, you know what? I I don't go crazy too, too much of the time. Mm -hmm. Once in a while I do. Um, But it just made me feel wealthy and abundant. And it was cool to say that I could do it. So um, I haven't told a lot of people about it because I, you know, maybe we can even touch on this, but um, I do have like this fear of judgment from other people that I've bought this expensive bag that I don't need, mm-hmm. um, but, it, but it makes me feel good and abundant and I'm really excited to like carry it through the airport. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that too, and I, and again, I think it depends on where you're at in business and we've been talking about this when you were here in Australia, is that... Sometimes it's, well, there's this like, I don't know, taboo. Gosh forbid you talk about wanting to be a millionaire or God forbid you talk about wanting to be wealthy, right? And not from a space of like, oh, I'm going to be driving around in Mercedes. Maybe you will be, right? If that's what you choose. But there is an essence of that is, it is okay or we should feel okay that if we're working hard, we do have a successful business. You're not, you didn't go and put the bag on a credit card. Your, your accountant said to you, Zach, you've actually got this X amount of money, you know, so why shouldn't you go and do something nice with that? You know, like, um, and it doesn't mean that you've got to go buy a wall over this. It might just be that you're buying flowers for yourself for the week. Yeah. Um, it's a, the fact is that I think business owners needs to give themselves permission that it's okay to have indulgences, um, you know, and that's, that it's all right. Yeah. And my indulgences, like uh, this is my fourth year in business and my 10th year online. And my indulgences, you know, earlier were like, I go out to dinner or I get a massage once a quarter. And now, you know, I built up the revenue, the business and the profit to be able to have larger indulgences. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. And that, do you know what I mean? And everyone's indulgence is going to be different depending on your upbringing, for example, or what your likes or what it isn't. But like for you, embrace it, man, rock it, wear that bag. Do you know what I mean? Be proud of that bag because, you know, you've worked hard for it. Um, You know, so well done, I say, well done. And for all those out there, you know, think about what's something that again, when you, you know, what could you indulge in yourself? Not again, I'm not saying go put copious amounts of money on credit card, but when you get to the stage, and it's also about celebrating, I think, too, the win, Zach. I was, I did a Facebook Live in my Facebook group, the Australian Business Collaborative the other day. And, you know, people don't want to share their wins because it might make them look conceited or greedy or whatever that is. But I'm like, you know, it's okay to embrace the small wins. It's okay to embrace the big wins, you know? Um, yeah, I think it's important that we do that. Yeah, 100%. So now for the listeners out there, we know, okay, tick that you love to shop. All right. (laughs) But tell them a little bit more about you, your business and kind of anything in between that we need to know about. I know you've got a couple dogs that you, you know, treat as your family, which is awesome. So tell us a little bit about Zach. Yeah. So my name is Zach Spuckler. My company is Heart, Soul and Hustle. And basically we work with digital based businesses who have digital products, courses, coaches, consultants, um, that, that type. And, um, for those who want to know the more personal side of me, uh, I have two dogs, Ted and Charles or Theodore (laughs) Bernstein and Charles Barkley as their full names would be. Uh, And, uh, they're two little itty bitty dogs, totally perpetuating the stereotype. Love having my little dogs. Um, and I'm addicted to Disney. I've been to Disney World several times. I took a solo trip about two years ago, all by myself, seven days at Disney World. One of the best things I've ever done. If you've never done a solo trip to Disney World, can't recommend it enough. Front of the lines, easy to get dinner reservations. So that's kind of who I am on a, a personal note. Um, on a professional note, I've been in the online marketing space for about 10 years. Um, actually, even more than that. I made my first dollar online when I was 12 years old. Um, and I know that because I, I don't know exactly what it's called in Australia, but in America, you have a social security number. Uh-huh. Tax like tax file that. number. Yep. Yeah. You have to use that to get paid. And I had to borrow my dad's because I was online <laughs> money scam. And I was like, dad, you have to say that you're doing it. Um, and luckily my, my parents have always been really supportive and he was like, okay, whatever. Um, or maybe he wasn't, I don't really remember the exact situation, but, <laughs> but I used it and, uh, I, I collected my first dollar online when I was 12 and that was in the, um, it was called pay to click advertising. Basically you got paid to click on advertisements and then you got a roof a recurring fee if you got referrals under you to also click on advertisements. And it was like so old school. So I can't even, I don't even know how to explain it, but, but I was really just fascinated with the idea of turning nothing into something and generating revenue online. And I, I never really wanted their traditional job. So fast forward several years, um, I've done all kinds of stuff. I've done direct sales. I've done affiliate marketing. I've flipped a website before. Um, I've done food blogging. I've done Pinterest marketing. I did blog consulting. Um, And now I came to a place where basically over the eight or so years that I was doing that, I really sat down and I had a conversation with myself where I said, what is the common thread of all of this? And number one was, was generating revenue online. I'm very motivated by like creating something out of nothing. Uh-huh. But the other one was marketing. When I looked back at what I loved in the pay to click, it was recruiting the referrals. It was figuring out the numbers and crunching how that would build my overall referral database. And when I was in the food blogging space, it was Pinterest and Pinterest marketing. And I loved that. And um, when I did some ads management, it was finding new clients and doing the sales calls and, and closing new deals. And I was like, what I really love is the marketing. And I had this moment where I said, 
what I really love is the marketing, but I'm no millionaire. And so I started Heart, Soul, and Hustle on, on a couple of basic principles. One was that I would always operate from integrity mm-hmm. and tell people, look, here's what I've done. I can't show you how to make a million, um, but I can show you how to do what I've done so far. Uh-huh. And the other one was that I was going to, basically, you can do anything with heart, soul, and a little bit of hustle. Yep. And so I started my business. And at the time, I was making, um, I was making like, I had gotten like four or five clients with Periscope, which was an online live streaming platform. If you remember now, Facebook yes. Live has taken over. Um, but I did this. And after 30 days, I had several Facebook ads management clients because I had learned how to run Facebook ads from my blog days. And I basically did a live stream where I was like, hey, if I showed you how I'm landing clients with Periscope, would you be interested for 97 bucks? I did it at Starbucks. We sold $1,200 worth of a program I hadn't created yet. Um, we ended up selling over $2,000 over that weekend. And from there, I've always said, okay, well, here's how I launched on Periscope and built that to a six figure product. And then I said, um, you know, do you want to learn how I'm doing Facebook ads? I built my Facebook ads program to a six figure product. And I fell in love with launching these products and created a product around how I was launching. And fast forward now, I launched or I teach how to launch with five-day challenges, which I've done for live streaming, Facebook ads, launching. Um, and I now teach people how to use my system. And we've done, uh, I want to say, just over half a million in sales with that system. Which um, is phenomenal. Which, just to give you a frame of reference, uh, we did not keep all that. We have expenses and team and you know things like that. But we've, we've got over 600 students in the program. And, uh, we we're at a place now where we've leveraged some automated marketing, um, some, some leverage marketing, and we move people through that program. We've had success stories in the dog training niche, the financial niche, manifesting business to business, coaches, consultant, copywriters, um, everything you can imagine. We've had someone go through and use that system. So that brings us to here where we're talking about challenges. Yeah, well, exactly. But again, what I love to there, and that's what I love about you, Zach, is the integrity side of things. That again, yes, you've made half a mil, um, but you also, didn't mean, gave the disclosure this wasn't all profit, right? And so many freaking entrepreneurs, if I hear again that they made a six-figure launch or that a seven-figure launch, you may have had that, but that was not your profit, right? And that, I think it is important that when people, you know, hear that. So I appreciate that you saying that to the listeners because uh, so often I think, you know, people go, oh, well, how could I do that? Or, you know, is that really true or whatever? And then again, you have made half a mil, but it's not all profit. That was the revenue from it. Totally. And growing. Yeah. You know, we can talk about this. And as we are today, we're going to talk about, you know, how to grow your list and increase sales through challenges. But for those of you that are listening out there, not everyone is going to know what a challenge is. So what is your most simplistic way for letting someone know what a challenge is? Yeah. So in simplest terms, a challenge is a period of content delivered followed by a period of sales. So if you're familiar with the concept of launching, um, if you're not, that's okay. But basically it's where we show up for our audience and we deliver content or value for free for a period of time. And then we say, if you like this free content, it's an intro to some of what I teach inside my paid offer. Now you can come join me in my paid offer. Mm -hmm. So it's very similar to what companies like Apple do, right? They deliver lots of value. They show up, they create commercials, they build anticipation, they build buzz. And then they say, and by the way, the iPhone is available starting this day. And then they do keynotes and promotions and blog interviews and, you know, uh, content with tech uh, CNET and TechCrunch. And then the card opens. 
And then for a period of time, you can be one of the first to buy the new iPhone. It's the exact same concept delivered via, you know, we recommend five days and we can get into why that is, but free content, which in your case is going to be value-based content, followed by a period of time where your card is open and people can buy your coaching, consulting, or digital course. And, you know, to give you guys some examples about what five-day challenges is, is that um, I was just down at James Shremko's event uh, and I spoke about challenges too, because I too, again, I love challenges, Zach. I think every business should at least test challenges. Um, and I think it's just one of those avenues that once you do it, you can rinse and repeat every quarter. You can do it, do you know what I mean? Every other month, whatever it is. But once you've got your challenge up and going, it really, really is a powerful way to not only grow your email list, have conversations, but equally have those conversions. And I know when I first started filling in me, what, almost nine years ago, one of the challenges I did was 30 days, 30 ways to connect with your child. Um, a friend of mine, Stevie Dillon, uh, she's got one, it's called the complete roadmap, um, to social media. Uh, Jada Selner, who I first initially heard about challenges from, talked to the 30-day green smoothie. I know you do the build a five-day challenge. You can flip into a five-figure launch. Uh, my friends, Emma and Carla, the Merrymakers, they've got the lunch break challenge where they give you like a little yoga and Pilates thing that you can do to increase your exercise. Um, and then I also run the free five-day challenge on discover how to increase your sales and get more clients. So, you know, there's a variety of different types of challenges. I think, Zach, you also said that you've done one where like, they were in the dog niche, right? Um, did it, or wasn't, or maybe use it as an example where, yeah, 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 yeah. With a student, you didn't do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you had a student, but like, because I, I hear often, oh, well, my particular uh, business can't do it, you know, or my business can't, but I'm like, genuinely any business can, you just have to be creative. Yes. Would you agree? Or do you also, is there anyone that you've worked with where you feel like a challenge wasn't, do you know what I mean? Like it didn't work. Yeah, that's, that's a really great question. And I love that you gave examples because I'm a, I'm a talker and an explainer. So I tend to go really high level, really quick. So those examples are very helpful yep. to cement it. Um, but in terms of like who a challenge isn't for, I tell people like, if you have really low ticket products where you don't have an audience already, um, and your lead cost would be higher than your return, then you're probably not a good fit for a challenge. And that tends to be with people who have like a physical product that's, you know, between 15 and $30 where, you know, what's your best friend is like press, viral marketing, organic marketing, um, product placement, right? That's probably not a great fit. The other people that aren't a good fit for a challenge are, and, and this is going to be a little direct, but people who want the, the one and done quick win, Yes. So we basically say that your first challenge is to figure out your offer. Your second challenge is to refine everything. And your third challenge is to profit. Mm -hmm. So it, you also have to be willing to kind of put in the time to test it and see, does this resonate with my audience? Does this not resonate with my audience? Is this content converting? Is this content not converting? So if you have a really low ticket product where organic or viral marketing is going to serve you better, probably not a great fit. Um, and it's really ideal for digital-based products or, or service-based products. Um, and then people who are willing to test, refine, and plan. Mm -hmm. No, fantastic. And I know being in the e-commerce space with Finley and me, um, I initially, a lot of people was like, oh, you can't do a challenge, you know, your e-commerce. But what I did was, is I was able to look at what my audience was struggling with. And through the e-commerce, I actually was able to build three different challenges. It was 30 days, 30 ways to connect with your child. 
30 Days, 30 Ways of Christmas Cheer and 30 Days, 30 Ways of Self-Care for Moms. Because obviously my ideal client was those particular moms with young kids buying educational toys, etc. But what I was able to do, I was, I was able to then monetize it. I was able to bring on sponsorship so people would sponsor the, the challenge. I was also able to in the 30 Day, 30 Way Christmas Challenge um, I would give my like, this is the one thing that you can connect with your kids during Christmas. And then I'd also feature a product of the day so that when the challenge was done, they had already been exposed to 30 different products that I had by adding value with the challenge and then was able to offer them a coupon code at the end. I love it. So maybe I have to take it back. You can make it work in the e-com space. So yeah. So again, I was like, I'm going to challenge you on that one, Zach. I, well, I made it work. Do you know what I mean? Now I'm not saying again, but I, I think again, if you could figure out the needs, like if you were a dog owner, for example, I guess, and you had something and you were selling, I don't know, dog food, leads, uh, I don't know, et cetera. You, could, you might teach them like five days, um, I don't know, five days to get your dog to sit. I don't know, something like that. But then again, you're, you're showing up, you're showcasing, uh, a dog product every day, you know, I don't know, just, but again, that's how we made it work with Finley and me. And then we just offered them a 10% off coupon at the end. That was our offer. Um, and we did it for the Christmas cheer one, for example, we did that one in October. Um, and then November we were able to, no, sorry, we did it in November. So then they got 30 days of the product. So in December, they then were using the coupon to buy the Christmas presents. Oh, I love that. So yeah, so that one that worked. That one did. So now what do you think, what, for those out there, you're like, damn, this shit's going to be hard work, right? Or it's not, <laughs> I might not, do you mean get, I might not see the ROI right away. Um, I guess, would you also say, like, what are the benefits do you find of a challenge? The biggest benefit is that you build a connection and a community with your audience. Mm-hmm. So when you are able to connect with your audience through free content and provide them with content, like perfect example, um, your 30 day challenge, uh, 30 days, 30, uh, 30, oh my gosh, I'll let you say it. 30, <laughs> 30 days, 30 ways to connect with your child. Thank you. Uh-huh. Um, every day you're offering them a piece of value as a way to connect with their child. Uh-huh. Right. And so every day that you do that, you do a couple of things. Number one, you build connection, right? Just hearing from somebody every day builds connection. Number two, you're building authority there. You're now becoming the go-to person in their inbox every day saying, here's a way to connect with your child. And number three, if you leverage the power of a Facebook group, you actually build a community. So we had a, a student go through our program who actually was kind of pivoting in their business and they built a Facebook group of like several hundred people And after their challenge was over, yes, they sold their product, but then they had a group of people who liked them, their mission, their message, even if they weren't buyers at that time. And that became a community that they leveraged and built into a larger community. So you build connection, you build authority, and if you do it right, you can build a community. And that again, like you said, it's not just, I guess the benefit is, it's just not a short injection into your business and brand. If you're really looking at it from a longevity point of view, is that again, the benefit of an ongoing group, but also the benefit of growing your email list. And if you've got, if you're able to get into their inbox or you're able to get, you know, in their community via Facebook, or if you've got an external platform, then again, whenever there's conversation, there eventually will be conversion. Absolutely. And I think that's the other thing you hit on is like from a tactical perspective, you know, the benefits are you can generate revenue, you can build your email list, you can increase your reach, you can increase influence. Um, It's not uncommon for us to hear from our audience that, oh, someone in my industry heard I was doing this challenge and shared it out. We've heard that several times from people and that's created additional reach 
um, which grows their revenue, which grows their list. And which also, you know, potentially even opens up the door for collaborations, you know, later, like later on to either team up with those people to do giveaways or, you know, share content in each other's, you know, emails, et cetera. So I guess for me, it's like the challenges, challenge marketing is so, so powerful. But before we get into the actual steps of doing, creating a challenge, what do you think are the pros and cons versus a challenge versus a webinar? Ooh, such a good question. So just to be really candid, we, we ran this cheeky campaign called Webinars Are Dead. Um, and then on our classes, we were like, okay, so webinars aren't dead because you're on a webinar. Right? <laughs> so we use webinar marketing in our business. And I just like to be super transparent that like, look, webinars work, challenges work, video series work, email marketing works, pay-per-click works. Like it all absolutely works. The question is what works best for your business. Yes. So when I share what I'm sharing. Just know that I'm, I'm coming from a place of bias because I love challenges. I teach challenges. Um, and I think challenges work where I think challenges have a leg up on some of the competition is number one, they're more forgiving. Mm -hmm. So with a webinar, if you have a tech disaster, um, I had a, a, a client who was like, I went live for my webinar 20 minutes in it cut out and I had several thousand people registered. Oh man. Like that, that sucks. When you're doing a challenge, like maybe your email doesn't go out on time, you can fix that. If your email goes out too early, you can fix that. Yeah. Um, you go to go live at 12 o'clock and your phone doesn't work, uh, go, on, go on Facebook Live, you just put a post in your group that says, hey, my phone's not working, give me 10 minutes. Yeah. Right? So I think it's dramatically more forgiving. Um, additionally, with like a webinar, you got 90 minutes of content and that content has to be perfected, rehearsed. Whereas with a challenge, you kind of have time to play with your content. We were running a challenge where on day four, people were like, I'm so confused. And so we did a bonus training. We added a PDF and we were like, here you go. And people were like, oh, I'm less confused now. Whereas on a webinar, if you confuse people or they get lost, you can't be like, oh, let me pause my presentation, <laughs> explain this a little better. You can't add or take slides out. So when people get lost in your webinar, like, that's, that's not bad. That's an incredible indicator that you've got good content because they're trying to learn, but they get stuck and they don't become buyers. Mm -hmm. um, the other thing is it creates engagement and community. Whereas with a webinar, and we've, we've talked about this, especially in Australia, it's hard to create connection um, with an audience in 60 minutes and then sell them a product. Exactly Whereas right. with a challenge, you get five days or seven days or 30 days to actually build connection, community, and authority so that when you go to sell, people are like, oh, I know you, I trust you, I like you. And I think even five days is enough time for people to determine if they like you. So I think that there's a ton of benefits to running challenges as a way to get started. I think they're forgiving. I think they build community engagement and authority better than anything else. Um, and then the last major benefit of running a challenge is it's a duplicatable, scalable, replicatable system where you can use Facebook advertising to make sure you show up for everybody. So with a webinar, you're going to get like a 30 to 40% show up rate if everything goes right. Meaning you get a hundred people to sign up for your webinar, 30 to 40 are going to show up live and like three to four of them are going to convert. Whereas with a challenge, you show up in their inbox, you show up in the Facebook group, you show up on live video, um, and then you add Facebook ads to the mix. And you're basically, I can't say guaranteeing, but you're really stacking the deck in favor of people seeing at least one piece of content. So we call it the everywhere effect. Like, the ideal customer who's engaging with the challenge, they're seeing you in their inbox, their Facebook, their live streams, um, and they're seeing you everywhere. 
So it builds trust, authority, and connection faster than a webinar can. So the everywhere effects, the connection, trust, and authority, and the forgiving nature, I think, are the big benefits. And would you say also, too, that you've got, um, like, with a challenge, too, that the community, the post-event stuff, too, because not, not everyone might be prepared to buy right from the beginning, right? So it's, it can happen as, like, the relationship can be continued, whereas if you've got a webinar, it starts, like, it's stop, start, start, finish. Do you know what I mean? Like, you don't have really that opportunity um, unless, you know what I mean, to show up in their inbox, whereas I'm finding it in a Facebook group, Again, they're also commun- they're asking questions and other community members are answering. It's not just you. Like, it's a much bigger community. Yeah, you build that community, you build that group. And what's crazy is that we tend to see a lot of people who do a challenge say like, oh, and people reached out to me for one-on-one coaching because they actually wanted a deeper connection than what my course or my original consulting offer called for. So it really allows you to build that community, that connection, and the long-term relationship. I can't tell you how many people are like, Oh, I, I joined a challenge of yours two years ago and now I bought a product. Mm-hmm. So it's yeah. also about planting the seeds for the long game, like you're talking about. And also like, you know, from a brand perspective, like I always say, every time I show up in someone's feed, I'm still leaving an, uh, do you know what I mean? An impression on them, you know, even if it's in their unconscious, you know? And so the fact that is, like you said, with a webinar, you get one hit at that. Whereas with a five day challenge, if they're getting an email from you and they're getting a live from you and it's coming up, you know, like there's multiple touch points where again, with that webinar, it's like one, you know, and that's kind of it. Also, I think too, would you agree? if you've got a cold audience so again for those just recapping cold they've never like they've only just learned about you they know nothing about you warm they know a little bit about you and hot they've typically buy from you is again shifting someone from a cold audience through to a webinar from a conversion right is going to be a lot harder than if you got five days of those touch points yes absolutely move them to warm we find that our challenges outconvert our webinars from a cold audience perspective Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, and that would make, do you mean absolute sense? So if people are like, okay, great. We've got examples of the challenges. We've looked at the pros and cons of the challenges. We've looked at webinar versus challenge and what that is. What is the most simplest way for people who want to get started to create a challenge? What are, can you walk us through a few of those steps? Sure. The first thing that you need to do is figure out what your challenge topic is going to be. Um, and I'm going to turn into a little bit of a marketing nerd here. <laughs> to follow the PSP model. Okay. The PSP model is not my invention, um, but it stands for problem, solution, problem. And there's a problem that your audience has that you have to solve before they'll listen to what you know is the true problem. So I'll give you an example. In the weight loss space, a lot of people are like, buy my clean eating program, buy my clean eating course, hire me to be your clean eating coach. Well, your audience isn't running around, generally speaking, I know there's a subset of this audience, but for the (laughs) most part, people aren't running around going, if only I was eating clean, I'd be happier. Yes. Right? They're saying, oh my gosh, if I could be down a pant size, I would be happier. If I could fit into those jeans I had to put in the closet three months ago, I would be happier. If I could put a notch in my belt that I had to punch out myself because my belt's so small, I would be happier. Right? Mm-hmm. That's what they're saying. So you're so if you run a challenge called the five-day clean eating challenge, don't get me wrong, you're going to attract people who are like, well, I know if I eat clean, I'll lose weight. But guess what? They're not there to eat clean. They're there to lose weight. Weight, yes. Right? But if you run a challenge called drop a pant size or the, the fit back in your college jeans challenge, like that's way more enticing. Now, there's a, there's a fine line where you have to understand like what can you promise your audience? You know, where, where 
What are you actually able to deliver? And I tell people, think about if the ideal customer follows every step of your protocol and tunes into every live training and does everything that you have to offer, what can you reasonably offer in five days or seven days or 30 days, right? So that's where you have to start. You need to say, what problem does my audience perceive themselves as having that I can solve to, to um, uncover the root problem? So in this case, just continue with it. The problem is I want to lose weight or I want to fit in a, a smaller size. The solution is drop a gene size challenge. And then throughout that challenge, you can say, and one of the easiest ways to lose weight and beat bloat is to eat clean. Mm-hmm. But yeah. because you met them where they are, they're now receptive to hearing what you know is the problem. The problem is their diet, not their weight. Yeah. Even though <laughs> yeah. the sub like, is, a, is a consequence of their diet, you have to meet them where they are. And so would you also say something like, uh, again, I go back to the dogs because so many people have dogs. If you just said, join my five-day dog training challenge, you'd still get people joining because so many people have dogs or puppies or the problems. But if you said something more specific, like join my five-day challenge where I'll get your do- teach your dog to sit, the actual tangible, measurable thing at the end of that particular challenge is their dog should be able to sit. Exactly. And, and if we go with that example, the problem is my dog doesn't listen. So get your dog to sit in just five days. The solution is, oh my gosh, you need a training schedule, right? Or the solution is you get their dog to sit. And then the new problem is, well, how do I expand this to stay? How do I expand this to walking off leash? And that enrolls them in your program called teach your dog 10 commands in 30 days. Yeah, exactly right. Because it... Because I, I guess, you know, again, and I run challenges, but for those that are out there that don't, you're obviously wanting to get them, you know what I mean, in the topic needs to be relatable to the offer, does it not? Sometimes. So that's okay. a really good question. Sometimes. So I'll give you a marketing example. We did a challenge on Facebook ads, right, for our Facebook ads program. We don't, we don't sell it anymore, so no shameless promo here. Um, but we had a Facebook ads program we used to sell. And our five-day challenge was called how to create your first sales funnel. The reason we did a five-day sales funnel is because when we asked our audience, what's your problem? They were saying, I'm not getting any sales. I need a sales funnel. Sure. Yeah. We were like, no, you don't need a sales funnel. You don't have any traffic. Yes. That's (laughs) the big problem. Right? So their problem was I need to generate sales. So we said, fine, you want to generate sales. Here's the solution. It's a sales funnel. And then they were like, oh my gosh, Zach. My real problem is how do I get traffic for this sales funnel? And we were mm-hmm. like, well, see, your underlying problem has always been traffic. There's no one to put your offers in front of. Now you need Facebook ads. So sometimes the underlying problem is like you need to like really meet them where they are with something. It's related, but it's not exactly the product. And then say the next step is the product. Okay. Yep. No, perfect. And do you feel like... The people like for that example that you gave with your um, challenge there was like the aha moments came. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think that's the big thing is like, I always tell people like, do your, does your audience want to be told what their problem is or do they want you to ask them what their problem is? Right. Mm -hmm. Yes. It's like by going through that process of meeting them where they is, it's like, is this your problem? Okay. I can help you with that problem. Tell me what else you need. And at the point in time that they're saying like, oh my gosh, what do I do next? You've got the solution. So you're not saying here's the solution to the problem I'm telling you, you have, you're saying, Hey, I hear that you have this new problem. Here's my solution. You're creating the aha moment of, oh my gosh, here's what I need next. And if you do it right, 
They think they need something before you ever offer it. And when you offer it, it's incongruency with what they think they need. And then they're like, take my money. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Show me the money. Yep. So then if they go, so, okay. So they've got the topic, they've worked out, do you know what I mean? The PSP problem, solution, problem. And then what, again, do you suggest that they go from there? Yeah. So from there, it's understanding the basic structure of a challenge. And it's just three parts. Every day you do three things. You send them an email, you post on Facebook and you do a live stream so that there's three touch points for people to engage with you. Mm-hmm. So Every day, you're going to have a a daily task or assignment that takes 10 to 15 minutes max, and you send that out via email. So in the dog walking or the dog training example, let's just stick with that. Day one is um, have your dog sit with a treat, right? And that's probably not where you'd start, but I'm no dog training expert. (laughs) You're basically going to say, hey, today your job is to have your dog's butt hit the floor while you've got a treat in your hand. They don't have to recognize the command. They just have to say butt to floor, and they're basically being compliant with you. Yep. Okay. Then you send that out an email. You post that same content on Facebook for the people who may not check their email. And then at noon, you do a live stream. It's like, hey, here's some common issues you might be seeing if your dog won't actually let you push their butt to the floor. So for anybody who has like a really resilient dog, I have a Shih Tzu um, and they are very strong-willed. The first time we tried to teach him to sit, he like physically would not let me <laughs> put him into a sitting position. So we had that problem. So it's just a live stream that's supplemental information. The next day, you do another small task. And this is where people get tripped up. They're like, well, what should my five days of content be? Well, if you start with the problem they have and the solution you're going to offer, you basically say, what are five steps to get to that solution? Yes. So day one is butt to floor. Day two is doing that with the sit command. Day three is doing it with a treat and the command. Day four is doing it without a treat. And day five is doing it with just a hand motion. And now you've got a dog that sits. Yeah. So every day you want to give them a, do you mean a learning? You want to teach them, followed up by homework to solidify what they've learned. And again, by you doing it through the structure, email, um, post on Facebook and then live, there's multiple ways for them to get access to that information while at the same time adding that credibility and authority to your knowledge base. Exactly. Yep. So once you do all of that, you can get a little more advanced with Facebook ads and maybe we can, we can talk about that. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. 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 Go ahead. So yeah. But basically what you then do is you've got this post on Facebook and you can do what's called retargeting and say, everybody who signed up for my challenge, I want to run my Facebook post as an advertisement. So whether they open my email, whether they go to my Facebook page, whether they watch my live stream, my post shows up in their newsfeed. And you, you are leveraging what's called the mere exposure effect. It's a psychological term that basically means the more someone sees you, the more they trust you. We naturally trust things that we know. And so you're basically building automatic authority by showing up. And like you said earlier, like showing up so that they know you at a conscious and subconscious level, your content is getting in front of them every single day day. And that's kind of like that again, that everywhere effect. You know what I mean? Okay. You don't want to read your email, buddy. That's all right. Cause I'm on to you. Cause we're now going to show up here. We're going to retarget here so that again, you're still going to see me even not if you don't do anything, you're still hearing and seeing my brand. Exactly. And would you, so let me ask you this. So this is a big question at James Dremko's event, because I've always ever ran, you know, from a structural point of view, I do the email and then I do the Facebook group and I go live into the Facebook groups, right? So are you saying you go live in your group or do you go live on your Facebook page? So I go live on my page and share it into the group, the group. so that okay. I can run it as an advertisement. 
Okay, yeah. Because there was, yeah, so there was a huge, I mean, it was pretty much 50-50 about that, you know, and about, do you, do you keep it from like a scarcity thing going, I'm only going to have a Facebook group. And within that Facebook group, it's super intimate. It's super exclusive. I can even use that language when they're signing up. Or do you run it through your page? Because as you know, the benefits are when you run it in your page, you are able to run advertising, whereas in a group, you can't. Yes. And this is such a common question we get. And people are like, well, if I put it on my page, then why would anyone sign up? Two things. Number one, you're not advertising that it's on your page. And number two, your page, what is the average now? Like 6%? (laughs) If that, I reckon. Yeah. So it's not like you're you're sending it out to everybody whether they signed up or not. That's that's the first thing. The second thing is, um, yes, it's on your page, but we actually implement what we call the cyclical challenge sign-up system, which is a really fancy way of saying after the challenge starts, people can still sign up, right? Gotcha, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so every post and every live stream that we do says, and if you're watching this and you're not already in our private community and part of our challenge where all the conversation is happening, make sure you click that link above and sign up. Now, here's where it gets really ninja. You're advertising that post to everybody in the group and everybody who's signed up for your challenge. When they comment on it, your organic reach on that post increases. So you naturally start reaching friends of friends and your extended audience that didn't originally sign up because you're kind of putting juice into the algorithm and expanding your organic reach so that new people in your audience who maybe didn't open your emails, maybe didn't see your ads, or maybe just weren't interested before have the opportunity to sign up and join. So by doing it on your page, you get the benefit of advertising, you get the benefit of organic reach, and you can still say, look, I've got this exclusive community where I'm having additional trainings and conversations and more stuff if you want to get the full experience. It's kind of like no one gets mad that Netflix has a free trial <laughs> exactly. as other people are paying for it because you're paying for it, right? Netflix is like, hey, if you want access to some of our stuff, here it is for free. But if you want the goods, you want to be part of all of Netflix, you can continue to pay. I know that's not the best parallel, but it's a way to think about it that might help you um, be a little more okay with like, you're giving away something for free, but you're not giving them the full experience for free. And I guess it goes into my next question is, is about, you know, what are your thoughts about how much information you give away in a challenge and that balance? Because, you know, the, the saying goes is you always want to give away your best stuff for free because when you do that, people psychologically go, well, sh- damn shit, if, if they've given me this much value that's for free, then I wonder what it's like when I buy it. But ultimately, again, especially if you've got a challenge that's congruent with what the offer is, what are your thoughts about balancing how much information to give away? I love this. So people like to say like, give, give, give value and people will buy from you. And here's what I like to say. Do you, you guys have Costco, right? Or you just got- We do have Costco. We don't have many Costcos in Australia. Like there's only one in Queensland, I think a couple in New South Wales. So maybe like five or six. We don't have many in Australia. Do you have a store where you can go at like a certain time and they, they're doing all the samples? Mm, gosh, I'm trying to think. Not really, but most people kind of know like Costco. I, I'm assuming the majority of Australians would have heard of Costco that again, you go in there, they've got a lot of little samples, big yeah. bulk store, you know, yes, yeah. Cool. So I want you to imagine Costco for a minute. And when you go into a Costco, especially here in the US, um, there's million samples when you go on, <laughs> on a certain day of the week at a certain time. It's usually around dinner. It's usually when they're busiest. E- everything's a sample. You can get samples of coffee and chips and tea and chicken um, and like everything you can imagine, there's literally almost a sample person at like every 20 to 30 feet. Yes. Okay? And so 
basically what's happening is you go into Costco and they're giving away all the quote unquote best stuff for free. So you try it and you try this and you try that and you have a snack here and you have a snack there. And when you leave, you have to walk by the food court. Now, let me ask you this question. If Costco is giving you all this stuff for free and we're, we're talking a lot of stuff, like 20 to 30 samples isn't, isn't abnormal or crazy. No. Are you like, wow, the next thing I want to do is eat dinner? Well, I don't, well, I typically do because when I go to Costco here in Australia, it's like, it reminds me of home, you know? So it's always like, I can still shove another hot dog down the throat or one of the pizzas the size of my head. So yeah, I still typically eat. Perfect. And so how do you feel after you've eaten all those samples and the pizza? Well, probably satisfied. Do you know what I mean? Do you feel satisfied or do you feel like, wow, I shouldn't have had all those samples and pizza? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I feel satisfied, but I almost feel like, okay, like the vomit train could potentially come because I've like overindulged almost. Perfect. So that is exactly what I want to illustrate. What happens is a lot of us think if we give lots of value samples, Mm -hmm. free stuff, that people are going to want to buy from us. Or they're going to be like, oh, what's that great thing? So they get to the sales page, the food court. And they say, oh, I'm going to take all this content and I'm going to take it in. And what ends up happening is they get indigestion. Or Mm -hmm. they they think, oh my gosh, what is the next step? And your audience takes one of two paths. They either go into instant overwhelm where they're like, oh my gosh, I don't know what to do. Or they say, I'm satisfied. I've gotten all this free content and I understand the basic structure of what you're teaching because it's on your sales page, module one, I do this, module two, I do this. And they say, I've had enough. I don't need more. I'm, I'm full, right? So there's yep. two types of people here and both of them you've done a disservice to because the reality is in 90% of our industries, the free content is not all the content or everything that they need to be successful. Mm-hmm. So what I tell people is you need to think about this differently. Your job is not necessarily to give so much free content that people are like, oh my gosh, you're so amazing. I want to buy. Your job is to make people realize, look, there is power in taking the next step. Mm-hmm. There's, a, there's a reason that Weight Watchers charges money, right? It's yes. not just because people who pay money are more committed. And so you want to tell your audience, look, here's what I'm doing. Yes, I'm providing value. Yes, you're showing up every day. Yes, you want to get them a result. But you're basically saying, look, I'm giving value. I'm meeting you where you are. I'm showing you everything. But I really want you to understand that you have a deeper problem that I can help you with inside my paid product, coaching, consulting, or course. Mm -hmm. So your question was like, where's this fine line between content and, um, and, and conversion? And I think the big thing to understand is if you've given so much content that they feel they don't need a next step, you've created content indigestion because they have a false perception that they have everything they need. Right. If if you give so little that they feel like they've gotten nothing out of it, then they don't trust you. Mm -hmm. And so the middle line is solving a problem with your solution that really uncovers the root problem where you meet them and say, and I've got a solution for that problem too. Mm-hmm. No, nope, perfect. And there again, it's like, they're not full. They're not dissatisfied. There's like you said, the middle ground is there and they're eager to want, I guess, to know more. And if you, again, if you've done it well and you've really treated that cr- true essence of community and that spirit of being within a community, people aren't going to want, it's like that fear of missing out too. Well, we're going to close the Facebook page down now. Where am I going to go now? And it's almost like they want more, you know, not just from the content, but from that communal point of view also. Yep, exactly. 
No, perfect. Yay. And so if they've done the topics, they've looked at the structure, they looked at the Facebook ads and everything, like you said for, uh, at the beginning is it's kind of like that first one. It's like, then you need to, I'm assuming, assess, rinse and repeat. Absolutely. So what we love about this system and what we tell people are in challenges in general is that if you, if you plan it out in advance and you build it out in advance, you can repurpose that from a very technical perspective. So you need an email autoresponder, you need a landing page service, but if you go to repeat the process in most landing page and autoresponder services, you can hit a copy button. Yep. Duplicate it. Yep. Everything you've created and you tweak and modify as necessary. So maybe people were like, wow, on day three, I lost a ton of engagement. You probably overwhelm them. Let's modify day three's content. Wow. On day five, everybody responded to the email, but nobody showed up for the live stream. Oh my gosh. I need to really promote that live stream more effectively. You add that to your day five email and you add it to your day five post. So you really need to assess and figure out what didn't work but you should duplicate what already has. We ran the same challenge, granted we tweaked and changed, for two and a half years. It worked great. great. Um, And that's why we kept using it. So many entrepreneurs um, and business owners are like, well, it worked, what's next? Mm -hmm. And what's next is to refine it, right? It's not like um, Apple was like, wow, the iPhone is so great, what's next? The Z phone. No, it's the iPhone 2. Yeah. Yeah. Next iteration of the iPhone. So it's like that, that's what you need to be thinking is what's the next iteration of my challenge, but still my challenge, still my content, still the same base hardware. And listen, if it's one thing too, that I found when I did the Finley and me stuff that I wouldn't, I would do differently now and what I would give advice to people is so many people. And I know Zach, you can probably talk a little bit more about this. It's like, you closed a lot of your stuff down this year, right? And you've simplified things. And so many times I think people because it may have not been successful the first time, right? They're like, oh God, I've got to drop everything. I've got to start new. Whereas if they genuinely look at it from a, le- a lesson versus a failure and they tweak it, you don't have to keep creating new products. In fact, once you create one product and become known for that pro- that particular product, people actually start looking for you versus the other way around. So if I, would you agree that it's best to kind of you know, stick with it, um, rinse and repeat, refine, like you said, like I know this year, my actually word of the year is refine. And it was about, I wasn't bringing anything else on. I was refining my eight week coaching program. I was refining my VIP. I was refining my retreat. And that was it. Do you know what I mean? I wasn't doing anything else because we had lunch with Denise Duffield Thomas. And remember one of the things she said was all roads for her lead to money boot camp. It's one way. That's it. So with your challenges, would you say, I guess the same is that all roads lead to one thing and you don't have to be creating more challenges. Just use what you have and tweak it. Absolutely. And we at Heart, Soul and Hustle did that. We went, we went from multiple courses to one course, um, one service, and then VIP clients. And that's all we do. And even that to me feels a little scattered and we're working on how to refine that even further. Um, so Absolutely. I think that if you can get known for one thing, it's, it's so much easier to be like, could you imagine if somebody was like, oh yeah, Angela, she's the, the SEO girl. Um, and she also does Facebook ads. Um, and I've seen her on Instagram. She has some Instagram marketing and she also teaches messenger bots. And you're like, well, what do I go to her for? Right. Versus, oh, Zach is the challenge guy. If I want to run a challenge, I go to Zach. Exactly. So much easier to become known and, and relevant in your industry. 
No, I mean, yeah. So as long as I, yeah, I just want to hear what your thoughts were because I just see so many people scattering because the first, you know, launch or the first challenge wasn't successful. Where again, I think that's again a mindset thing. Is it success or failure, or is it just a lesson that you need to learn to do it better the next time? Yeah, absolutely. And um, my friend James Wedmore likes to say, like, failure isn't real. It's just your interpretation of a circumstance, mm-hmm. and you never fail. You either you either like you you learn or you hit your goal, but there's no such thing as really failing. Mm -hmm. No, I couldn't agree more. And I think it's just, yeah, people just have to embrace that. Like, um, I can't remember where I was going through. It was something I was reading this week or watching this week. And that's what they're saying is, you know, so many times people think that it's the first launch and they, yeah, I don't know. I could go on forever about failing, but it's not actually like, look at your numbers, look at our Facebook ads. I was like, oh my goodness, I've spent $5,000 in Facebook ads. I've spent $1,000 in Facebook ads or I've, and I've only been running ads for a week or, Google ads for a week. Oh my goodness, I'm going to pull it because nothing's working. But it's like, sometimes, sometimes you just have to collect the data in order to be able to assess, step back and then do it better the next time. But too many people, I think, want those quick wins. And sometimes, like you said earlier, it's not a quick win. You're here to play the long-term game. Yeah, absolutely. You know, fantastic. Well, if people want to learn more about you or have you help them set up their own challenge, how can they connect with you after this episode? Absolutely. So if you want to learn more, you can head over to heartsoulhustle.com or follow me over on Instagram at heartsoulhustle. And if you're like, dude, I'm all about challenges. I really want to structure in a system. You can head over to heartsoulhustle.com forward slash challenge book. And I have a free little workbook that you can check out that really walks you through exactly how to start mapping out your challenge. So it takes you through the very basics of like, you know, what should the topic of my challenge be? Um, What should I use as my promotional mechanism? So it helps you get that high level plan. So you can start creating a system that duplicates marketing, daily topics, your challenge topic, all that good stuff um, inside of a nice, short, concise workbook that gets you out of thinking and into planning. Well, yay. Well, thank you so much for being here today, Zach. I appreciate it. I miss you and your partner immensely already since you've left Australia. So it's always fun to have some time with you, even though we are, you know, oceans apart. And for the rest of you, my team and I will also be putting together the whole transcription for this episode at AngelaHenderson.com.au. And of course, I cover all sorts of related business and life topics inside my Facebook group, the Australian Business Collaborative of close to 5,000 amazing community members. So I'd love to have you head on over there. And to the rest of you, have a fabulous day, no matter where you are in the world. And I look forward to you joining me next week for another amazing episode of the Business and Life Conversations podcast. Have an awesome day, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Business and Life Conversations podcast with Angela Henderson. www.angelahenderson.com.au